0: Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. All those hard to find collectibles are at your fingertips at Monkey Paw Toys. It's a wondrous shop on Havana Street. And today I'm excited to be joined uh, by a guy who has a job I definitely envy. Owner Lewis Warren, how you doing, Lewis? Okay, I'm good. How you too? i I'm doing excellent today. Thank you for taking the time on a Monday to come hang out with us, Lewis. I imagine owning a collectible toy business—the uh, business part gets away, gets in the way a lot of the fun, right? No. So
1: this day, it's was something you do a day job. I freaking love what I do. So I, for my all this. It doesn't diminish with the business side.
0: And I guess I'm new to it. So maybe I'm naive. Nice. But I love it. Yeah, there's that cliche that uh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But it's also cliche if you do what you love, you're never off the clock. That's a fact. <laughs> I work at least forty hours a day. Wow. Yes. Uh, For those listening, Louis, you have cerebral palsy. Uh, I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He also has a great sense of humor. It's a component of who you are, but it certainly doesn't define you. You're a savvy business owner. You're a writer. You're an artist. You're even a stand-up comedian. Do people underestimate your talents because of CP? Every day. Yeah. Every day. I I suspect people just love to write. That's gotta be frustrating. What was your experience like growing up? It, it, how do you navigate people who are well-intentioned but maybe are ignorant?
1: So, growing up was difficult. I have friends and the people I did have, they understand, like, like back in the day, I don't myself, but back in the day, people would think, oh, it's contagious. Uh-huh. I think I was doing cerebral palsy is the oxygen brain damage is not contagious. So, never kind your people was like, "Look, I'm not contagious. You could talk to me." Mm-hmm. But you, and one of my favorite movies said it's the best. And I don't want to give names, it. they said the group of people are stupid. Yeah, the person. It's smart. Yeah. You can tell one person they get, but one for is but a group of people just bungee. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, you grew up in San Diego. Yeah. What brought you to Colorado and specifically to Aurora? Okay, so I grew up in my twenties in
1: San Diego. Okay. I grew up from uh, two years old to eighteen years old in Colorado. Oh, okay. So. When I got the chance to be out on my own, I was thinking, you know what? I grew up in I want to go back. It's a great city, great people. There's a great community. There's a whole type of great people. I wanted to come back and
0: that's why I decided to do a business to give back. You you grew up with the love of collecting comics and toys and action figures. And to a casual person, these things might be childish, but they, they're truly contemporary works of art. How did you go from being a fan to becoming an expert, uh, particularly when it comes to the business side of it? Oh my God, it was just years of being the nerd. <laughs> like, seriously,
1: I can take a comic or me, hey, this is this year by this company and they released this meal. It just knows that you did Over time, it was just I mean, I don't feel like I put work into it, mm-hmm. but from now the other time when people tell me they think, oh my god, how do you know all this? You brought prints. No, I guess you grew up loving it.
0: Yeah. What inspired you to, to open your own business? You know, when you take it from an interest in a hobby, that's that's a that's a heck of a leap. How, what what caused you to open your own business and was that process difficult? Difficult?
1: Yes. <laughs> so I've never been on the business side stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. tax license, business license, all that stuff. I had to teach myself that, but what caused me to, what what influenced me to open the business was friends. Because I was always shy about being disabled, I didn't want to put myself out there, but I had friends that said, hey, take that risk, do it, you're awesome, no one for killing you, and I would say my girlfriend. Was really a final point because when I finally did open, I would go six, seven, eight days between customers. I would go home, I would cry, and I was like, oh my God, I made a big mistake. And she she just told me to keep doing it. Now it's a blessing that. I have so many good people in my life
0: to help. So, yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that, you know, the store is impressive and you can get lost in there for hours, but it's so much more than a storefront. Talk about the community that exists around these collectibles. Your store is a place for the community to come together and really explore their passion.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So the idea I had where I made this cool was, I wanted to be a community. I, don't, I know I won't get rich. I don't care about that. I want people to be able to come and share their passion. And once I opened up in a new location, Aurora has been so good to me. all people and all the friends I had about. I'm um, disabled. Business.
0: That's God. And people are being awesome. You credit your partner, Tony, with really helping you with the business. Obviously, your girlfriend, who you just mentioned. JT's here with you, your friend. Um, nobody does it on their own, right? What does it mean to have people in your corner that support your dreams?
1: You know, without having people that support you, it's not worth it. And I won't be selfish and say, oh, I'll do it by myself. Because it's not fun. It's What makes this fun is the people. And when I help somebody, when they come into the store and they find a warm piece they've been looking for for 18 years, <laughs> and they find it, it's awesome to give that to them. So, what the Oh, my
0: point Tell me what they with everybody. I couldn't do it without them. What makes an action figure or a comic truly valuable? Is it scarcity? Is it a function of popularity? And the market determines that. What are like the economic factors that determine the the value of the things that you sell? So,
1: if it's popular, yeah. So, if it's popular, it so. Yeah, if people want that people wanted to in and collect everything it. limited to, let's say, 3,000 pieces. Even if the stupidest thing, <laughs> people would like, going oh my god, I have to have that. So that factors into it. But, for example, if you're in the or grenade, was then you won. That was the most overproduced book ever. Okay. But
0: people like it so much, it's still high value. When a big property comes out, let's say a Marvel film or Star Wars, they flood the market with collectibles. And I say that with air quotes. Do those companies sometimes diminish the collectible market by doing that? And how do you differentiate between. What's gonna become a collectible and what's a piece of plastic that a six year old's gonna throw away in five months.
1: So has bro is very really smart about what they do. When they release a the sour movie, they'll go back and we release all you. Okay. But what means that all one's are collectible is they'll have a different package. Okay. Or a different pin job. People want that all the original. Yeah. Because the new stuff, it a not be capable of a spider that has some weird sharing power. Mm-hmm. Not many people want that. a can't the original
0: point spider do you have a personal all-time favorite item that, that either is in your personal collection or that's in the store? And is there a holy grail that you would love to own personally?
1: <laughs> okay. So, yes, this, and yes, that. <laughs> so, my favorite collectible is not, but it's about 100 bucks. It's the Deadpool Mexico item. Okay. Paper. I love it. I have a big Deadpool costume. Yeah. I have a Deadpool costume, all that. But I don't wear it because I put on for 10 minutes. And you take five pounds. <laughs> but my all real peaceful piece I want to see a prop from Deadpool. Oh, okay. I would love a,
0: a, a sword, a magic something from a movie that would be real peaceful. Mm-hmm. How can you come across those items? Are there auctions that exist? Yeah. So if you're auctioning for
1: moving memorabilia, movie, remember, yeah. sometimes randomly stuff comes into the store because I do buy, sell, and trade. Yeah. So people bring in some unique items if that day comes in, somebody brings in a pop pop, I think I might have to open people.
0: <laughs> uh, which items do people swear are valuable, but there really isn't a market for it? Right. Right. All right, that could probably be an episode unto
1: itself. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so really? I tell everybody, I <laughs> growing up. This is our generation. A bean baby. Oh man. So back then, everyone thought bean baby was all I could retire. And everything sounds for nickel. Funko Pop said the same thing. They released hundreds of thousands every month. Mm-hmm. Now, people are starting to get sick of them, And people call me every day, Do you buy a Funko Pops? And they call like, oh, me God. It's in this try. Right. So that's, that's my opinion, but people do like them.
0: Oh, here's your chance to laugh at me. When the Nuggets won the championship, they released a limited edition starting lineup, Funko Pops, it, and I bought them, but, the, uh, but because I'm a lifelong Nuggets fan, it's like, all right, I'm going to love this, but there was a part of me that was like, well, maybe they'll be valuable one day, but I'll just keep them as something, as a keepsake from the game.
1: It's funny you say that because my uncle, He's the vice president of the VP of the Nuggets, all that stuff. Yeah. When he released that, he said, hey, do you want to son? I was like, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I won't show up in five years trying to get ten bucks out of it from you, all right? I promise. Uh, do you occasionally get like a well-intentioned grandparent that comes in looking for something for a child and you almost cringe at the idea that these kids are going to open the box? and basically soil a collectible, or is it only collectors and appreciators that show up? No. Like, I love when kids buy these. Okay. Because here's
1: the thing. Adults will run to Target, run down to the toilet, grab 15 of the same figure. So when a kid, his mom takes him at 5 p.m., that toilet is empty. Mm-hmm. So I love when kids get that collectible, rip that backbone <laughs> open, and get nothing to be played with. Yeah. So like me, as a collector, I buy two. I buy one to open, one to keep. So right when it comes in, I'm gonna buy it, take it. I love that idea. I love to have
0: a kid to get that one value to play with. That's I, I love that perspective because I imagine there's a impulse to just look at everything as something to invest in, right? But at the heart, the soul of this is to be enjoyed, to be admired as art and also to be admired as a toy. So that's a really good philosophy to have. And I imagine that's that's probably part of what makes the job so fulfilling is that that balance of both.
1: So I'm not going to say it. a lot of the kids did a very appropriate 1977 job, <laughs> right. but I would be terrible. But I knew myself to go for And my dad, he loves to tell people a story about when I was like seven, eight years old. They would buy me toys and instead of opening, I would hang them all over my wall. Yeah. My dad would say, How the hell do you open know this? But every day when I would sit in my room, I was like, Oh my God, I want to open it too bad. <laughs> but it was hard.
0: Yeah. It was, I, I just had hang it open. You're getting global attention with Monkey Paw Toys. Uh, I recently saw you were filming with Amazon. Uh, you're being featured on the Netflix series The Toys That Made Us and Hulu's The Toys That Build America. How did these opportunities come about? Oh,
1: my God. Like, you were there. It was, uh, we were packing up the old shop and Netflix called the store. My employee told me, saying, hey, uh, is Netflix on your phone? I was like, I the have a <laughs> subscription. Like, I did not pay it. Right. And I started talking to God. He said, can hey, we do the course of man? And we're love to speak to you. I was like, dude, that'd be great. And then we talked. And he was like, came up late. There's a for Amazon. Didn't want anybody to give them your info. I was like, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So it was a big snowball effect. Like, I even, to this day, I don't know how they found me. Because my first
0: time this store, I was in the back of my office doing yeah. It was terrible. How, how did they find you initially? No idea. Like they the got said here. Google Toy Store in Colorado, and two came up. How do you anticipate... This exposure will affect monkey pot toys, or how do you hope it affects it? <laughs> Jesus I, I would say I hope it helps us. Like uh, I don't want to, get, like,
1: to be a king give me person that time where I talk to a room where tonight. I hope it helps us. I really do because I would love to be here for years if you want. But I don't want it to be that I end up like the guy from <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I won't be here. If this uh, is a mischaracterization, I apologize in advance. But how does it feel to go to maybe somebody who was underestimated to now being considered an expert in your field and authority? That's that's gotta feel affirming.
1: So that is not a miscarriage at all. I love it because I wanted to show people that anybody with a disability is capable. Mm-hmm. Like, since I was a kid, I wanted to be an advocate for people with disabilities. I wanted to do more of a speaking I never got into it because, honestly, I didn't know how. But I feel like this is a platform that you show other people with ability. You have to seem bad. You have to greet people along
0: with you. can do what you want and succeed. Uh, I mentioned that it's not just toys and collectibles. You're an artist. You write. You even do stand-up. Um, where, where did all these versatile talents come from, and, and do you have a favorite outlet? Oh my god, so where it all comes from was not
1: having friends. <laughs> like, honestly, that's a bit But because I would sit home, I would I, I look at a comic book, and I remember the Spider-Man, and it was my first comic book. I read it five times. I loved the cover so much, I tried to trace it. And came out horrible. <laughs> so I tried to just look at it and draw it. I like to draw. I started to do it more. And in comedy, I've always loved to make people laugh because I feel like making people laugh puts people at ease. Absolutely. So with a disability, I feel like everybody's so reaching. Like, oh my God, I can't see this. I can't. But I'll joke about it, it. will put people on each so I, I just I have the natural talent of being funny, and I'm sorry, to podcast, and funny looking.
0: <laughs> um, how do you, you touched on this a little bit, but put it, you know, take a look in the Magic 8 Ball. Where's Monkey Paw 5, 10, 15 years from now?
1: Um, so I shouldn't say this, but Monkey paw in five, ten years? Or is it five Monkey paw. Yeah. San Diego in the spring. I would, I would love to have multiple locations, but the problem is, I'm one person. Yeah. I can't, I can't do it. So, my realistic
0: expectation, bigger story. I appreciate that, Lewis. It's been amazing to meet you. Congratulations on all your success, and thank you for all the awesomeness that you're bringing to Aurora. This is such a diverse community, and you're part of that rich tapestry, so thank you for that. Yes, thank you, brother. Of course. Make sure you visit Monkey Paw Toys at 1555 South Havana Street in Aurora. You can also find them online at monkeypawtoys.com and on social media at monkeypawtoys. Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75-plus hotel properties with 13,000 500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your college visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.